your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 323 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join Pillsy and I this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to get in on the conversation. It's interactive radio, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Well, today it's part two of our interview with David Foote, the Belleville Senators color commentator with 800 CJBQ. In part one, we got into the team expectations versus performance and are they going to make a push for a Calder Cup playoff spot next season? But today's show, it's all about the specific players, who grew the most, who impressed them, and which players are closest to being NHL ready. One of the players we asked him about, Vitaly Abramov, a pending restricted free agent, We mentioned the interview, so unfortunately it was a little foreshadowing that didn't see the light of day as we recorded it yesterday, but Vitaly Abramov has in fact signed in the KHL. As an RFA, if the Sens qualify him, they'll be able to keep his rights. So we'll get into all that during the show. We also have the Tankathon draft lottery only one week away. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. is Wednesday, May 26th, and Pilsy, abracadabra, and poof, he's gone. Yeah, it's it's too bad to see because this is a guy we saw a lot of potential in Belleville, and we had a feeling that he could be on the rise, and he's ready to make the jump to the NHL. He was a great top six forward in Belleville. He could put the puck in the back of the net, but it's just tough when you've got a team that's so stocked with prospects. There's only so many spots and eventually you get squeezed out. And I think this became a case Ross of him looking at the roster, the prospects, the way management and coaching staff have used him. And so he's probably thinking I got some better opportunities elsewhere. And the KHL was probably ringing his agent's phone. And he decided that that would be a better chance for him to have success back in his hometown team back in Russia. Just like we saw with Philip Schlappick during the season, who returned to his hometown of Prague, Vitaly Abramov will be heading to Traktor in Chelyabinsk in the KHL, which is the team he grew up playing in their youth organization before coming over and starring with the Gatineau Olympique in the queue. Yeah, Chelyabinsk, I did a quick uh, Google research, Ross, uh, just for people who are curious what's going on in, in Chelyabinsk. It's known for being hit by a meteor in 2013 a massive meteor hit the city and that was a big story there's about 1.2 million people there and the tractor team name comes from i guess apparently they used to make tanks back in the day so tanks tractors that's kind of the the connection there so good for vitaly i mean he it's it's a situation where he wasn't getting the opportunities he probably deserved and if you're comfortable living in Russia, which I'm sure he is, he's from there, and you can handle the KHL structure of the league, the way it works, then you have a good opportunity to make some good money, 
play some good hockey and have some success. And the door isn't fully closed on him coming back, is it, Ross? No, it'll be a similar situation if he does decide to come back eventually. And that's the beauty of when a player goes over. You retain his rights so long as you qualify him, which is yet to be done, until they come back. And we saw that with Evgeny Dadnov in Florida. He fulfilled his entry-level contract. How many years? He went back for like four or five years, Pilsy. And then they still, as a 28-year-old, more mature, ready to contribute. And then, hey, maybe if, if that happens to Abramov, he can come back and step in the lineup. One thing's for sure, he'll certainly get more ice time than he received in Ottawa. He played five NHL games. The first one was right after his, his trade. And he was a part of the Matt Duchesne trade in spring of 2019, so the 2018-19 season. And that first NHL game, he played 12-13. That's still the most he's ever played in a National Hockey League game. The next four, all under 10 minutes, including one against Tampa, where he played three minutes and 16 seconds. Like, that can't be a lot of fun as an offensively gifted player. So I think this is in the best interest of the player, as unfortunate as the asset management may be. Yeah, and I think if we could put a positive spin on this, Ross, this is different than Schlappick or losing Schlappick or Balsters, right? Like Balsters was claimed off waivers by the team that traded him to Ottawa. And then Schlappick, they just decided to mutually end the contract. So those two literally are lost assets. They're no longer a part of the organization. He did not get anything in return. But Vitaly Abramov, I'm like, maybe this could be a win-win situation, Ross. Like he wasn't getting the ice time and opportunities. So he's going to Russia. Maybe he he will get the opportunity opportunities over there he'll develop his game he'll think okay I'm ready to head back to the best league in the world he's got better skill free development over in Russia and then he comes back to Ottawa and he finds a cushy spot for him like I'm not saying that is going to happen but I'm trying to put uh trying to find the silver lining here and that is a possibility yeah he also won't need to be protected or have a chance to be picked up by Seattle in the upcoming expansion draft we know he was eligible for that, So that's kind of a positive spin. Of course, we wish that he had more of an opportunity in Ottawa. I had him penciled in on the second line going into training camp last year. I just know what he brought in Belleville. And you and I got to see it up close and personal. 41 points in 51 games in his, la- in his last full season or mostly full season uh, down there. He was a complete warrior uh, kind of going up and down the lineup. Joey Decord talked about how he's got the best set of hands he's ever seen in practice. He told us that on this show. And when it comes to shootout moves, that's self-explanatory. I almost think that his game is going to excel even more in Russia. We know he's an undersized guy at five foot nine, but this guy is a magician with the puck. So we're still going to be following him as a, a sense prospect. So Henry, don't think you can let him go. I still need my my fair share of Abramov highlights in the KHL. Yeah, and our uh, friend of the show, Scott Wheeler, he's going to be sad to see Vitaly Abramov go because that was one of his favorite prospects. And that was always a fun question we had lined up whenever he came on. Like, oh, tell us about your favorite prospect, Vitaly Abramov. Yeah, knowing exactly where he was going to go with it. Uh, when, when you also look at the fact that he's going to the, the KHL, it's still a good gro- growing league. So, hey, I'm excited to see what's next for Vitaly Abramov. I don't think he was on an inside track to make the opening night lineup. Like we seem to be pushing our chips in for a guy like Parker Kelly to, to get that look. So just in a bottom six role, there's so many guys that Ottawa has that can step up and fill that area. So maybe with a few more years of development, he can come back and slide in, in a more skill position up higher in the lineup, but whatever it is, we wish him all the best. Of course, being away from his family uh, this entire season must not have been easy. So to sign with his hometown team, 
uh, we got to wish him all the best. Definitely. Yeah. We, we hope Vitaly does well because it uh, it's in our interest as well. If he does well and comes back with the sends and Ross, the thing with Vitaly Abramov too, he was kind of the, he opened the door for other Russians to enter the Ottawa centers franchise. Like before Vitaly Abramov, there was like a long window of time where the sends just, I don't know. It was an unofficial rule. They just did not have any Russians on the team. And then they traded for Vitaly Abramov. And now there's a lot of Russian influence on this squad. So five games played with Ottawa, one goal, zero assists for one point. We call that the Andy Sutton stat line, although he did play in 13 less games than Sutts. Um, I mentioned that first game where he played the most he played, 12 minutes. He was dash three in that one. But I don't think that's indicative of his uh, NHL potential this year in Belleville. He had 19 points in 23 games dealt uh, with a few injuries along the way as well. So, all right, we're going to keep track of him going forward, but that's just uh, news of the day. And it was great to get some sense news, even if it's not the most positive. Um, I guess my question in all this Pilsy is, does this diminish how you feel about the Matthew Shane return or is Lassie Thompson, that first round pick that they got there still the crown jewel of, what it was going to be because I remember when the trade happened, we put out a poll at send central on Twitter that said, which of the two prospects involved in the trade are you more excited about Jonathan Davidson or Vitaly Bramov? And it was skewed in favor of Davidson. And then we asked after Abramov had that 41 point season in Belleville and it was way in favor of Abramov. And that also plays into a fact that Davidson's having trouble staying healthy himself, but what do you what do you think the fallout of this is going to be when you look back at that Duchesne trade? That is tough. When the Duchesne trade happened, we were happy with the return, especially when you saw what Vitaly Abramov could do. But now, no disrespect to Davidson, but he's he's kind of a lost prospect in all this. And then Lassie Thompson is pretty much all he got left. And then when you take a look at what the Sens gave up to acquire Matt Duchesne and you start weighing the what you have and what you gave up. It doesn't look great. That's for sure. But I mean, Lassie Thompson's still a young right shot offensive defenseman that has a lot of time to grow. So we're not going to chalk that one up as a loss right away, but it is, it is unfortunate to see that for sure. When I mentioned that a player can go overseas as an RFA and you still hold their rights. I'm not kidding. The Ottawa senators still hold Michael Vick strands rights. He never played a game for Ottawa, but they signed him, And then now He's still, if you go to Cap Friendly, on their reserve list. So He's Brian still working Murray, at a grocery store in Sweden, eh? Yeah, shout out Brian Murray. That was an all-time quote where I think that there's a bit of a contract negotiation or he said, I'm going back to, uh, to Europe. And he said, all right, well, you're under contract with me and I'm not signing anything. So you can go over to Europe, sure, but you're playing as a grocery store clerk and a beer leaguer. You're not playing pro hockey. And then ultimately he... Uh, he let him go play in, in Europe. And I mean, you can't really take that away from someone who wants to be close to home. I think there's some family uh, reasons for Vic Strand as well, or he just wasn't having a good time. I, I want to say, and I could be wrong, that he just like got on a plane and left and didn't tell anybody. And I remember that being a bit of, uh, you could call it a seatbelt day, as Dave Cameron called the uh, turbulence days in uh, in Ottawa on Wally Mathot's show. Uh, so we know there's been a few of those along the way, but I think this is more as simple as, wanting to be closer to his family and looking at the Sens depth chart and saying, man, where do I fit in here? And it might be a little bit tougher for him to crack the lineup next season. 
Yeah, and I, I think probably the dollars play a big amount in this too, Ross. Like in the AHL, maybe you can make a, a couple hundred grand, but then you go to the KHL and they're offering you a couple mil tax-free cash. So I think that can also be a little bit enticing for a young guy. Yeah, he was making $70,000 in the AHL and uh, NHL minimum uh, nearly with uh, 730 was his cap hit. And uh, yeah. So we'll see if uh, what the future holds for Vitaly Abramov. For us, the immediate future, this Sunday morning, is our next appearance on The Locker Room. The Locker Room app is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and to use. You can talk to Pillsy and I, as we mentioned, every Sunday morning, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app as well. Locker Room is free. And when you join in conversations, there's a live chat that you can get in. And it's great. It's interactive radio. We love to see it. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS. And now on your Android as well, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group. You can follow me at Ross Levitan, at Brandon Pillar, and you'll be notified when our room goes live as we mentioned we're going to be live next in the locker room on sunday morning at 10 a.m come with your spiciest takes download the locker room app and join us this sunday morning at 10 a.m it's locker room interactive radio it's changing the way we talk sports and when you're enjoying a locker room chat with Ross and I, you get your coffee in the morning. Why not get a little protein with you too? Some good tasting protein too. I'm talking about Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is delicious. And there's not just one flavor. There's not just one Built Bar. They have 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate with nut, eight chocolate nut free. And the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. For you chocolate lovers, this is the protein bar for you. Soft and easy to chew. My favorite part of Built Bars are the texture. It's just so nice having a soft, easy to chew bar right in your pocket. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber. Now for Pillsy's pick of the day, let's get the almond with the coconut, mix it all up and you got coconut almond built bar. This is one of my favorite flavors, 180 calories, 18 grams of protein, five grams of sugar. You get that light flaky flavor of coconut mixed with the almond flavor, similar flavor profiles actually, but you get a little boost of protein with the almonds in there. So Pillsy's pick of the day is coconut almond. And if you're thinking i would love to try a coconut almond built bar the best way to do that is go to builtbar.com and you guys know as listeners of the locked on senators podcast we got you covered we're going to hook you up with a promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order guys go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 today and you'll get 15 percent off your next order built bar the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar all right, Pilsy, one more piece of Belleville Senators news before we throw over to our interview with David Foote, and that's Hubert Labrie, a heart and soul defensive defenseman, wore an A the past year and was off and on an assistant captain uh, two years ago. He is heading over to Germany, reports are saying, for a professional contract, so we want to wish him all the best as well. I'm sure, like Abramov, the money is very enticing, and hey, it's another opportunity for him to play, so... He did his role very well in uh, Belleville. He even earned, he was on a one-way AHL contract, remember? And then the Sens signed him 
for the rest of a, a season. And I think that was more of a gesture of goodwill, give him a little more stability and a, a nice little extra money for him. So I think that it was great to see that and nice to see good people get rewarded as well. Oh, absolutely. So Alvita Sane, Hubert Labrie, it was uh, great having you on the squad, but it, it is bittersweet because, yeah, you like to see the guys moving on and get a different opportunity. But we talk about it with footy. Uh, this is a team that needs veteran AHL guys. And he was the perfect guy for that. 29 years old, left shot defenseman, hundreds of AHL games under his belt. And I really liked him on this squad. I feel like the he was a glue guy in the room too. It seemed like guys liked him. So it's tough to see a guy like this go, but hopefully the Sens can replace him with another veteran D-man. He stabilized whoever he played with. And usually it was a young guy. I know when Branstrom was down there playing the right side a little bit, or they'd even have Labrie move over to his offside. I remember him being very good for Branstrom's development. So uh, hopefully his own development goes well over in Germany. And to answer the Tuesday trivia, the four captains of the Belleville Senators, Mike Blunden, Ottawa native, Eric Bergdorfer, Jordan Swars. And Logan Shaw. So if you got that right, credit to you. And without further ado, here's part two of our interview with David Foote. All right, Footy, we need to get into some specific player projections with you. And I'm going to start with the enigma. Logan Brown, the cycle continues. He plays great. He gets hurt. He slows down on his way back. Then he gets hurt. Then he plays great. And it goes round and around. What would give you the mindset that he needs another chance or is it time to move on? But we're going right with the tough questions. Yeah, no, that's fine, boys. Um, Yeah. When, when injuries are the, are the big, um, you know, factor in, in a guy's success. And and that's what it seems to be for Logan Brown. It's tough to say, right? Because I think there's a lot of, you know, management that probably would say, forget it. Uh, He's obviously not going to, to stay healthy enough to be able to, be the productive guy that we want. And uh, maybe there's somebody else in, in the organization that can fill the hole. Uh, you know, that said, if Logan Brown can stay healthy, he's a pretty good hockey player uh, to say the least. So um, I, I think they're going to have to take a look at, at what's in the hopper right now. And there certainly are some guys who can, can play the Logan Brown type game. Uh, I mean, look at Igor Sokolov who just exploded onto the scene this season, right? Um, he's kind of the same player, big guy, uh, you know, needs to maybe work a little bit on, on his skating, but NHL caliber shot, very smart, figuring out the game. Uh, and easily a guy like that could maybe eclipse Logan Brown if he can't stay healthy. Uh, it's, it's tough to say with injuries, right? Because, um, you know, the season started and he hadn't played in a year and we thought, oh yeah, he'll be okay. And then a couple games in hurt misses a couple games and he's back for three, and then he misses a long run, and then he's back again and has points in almost all the games that he was back in, and then he's hurt again and done for the season. So uh, because of the injury factor, I'm going to cop out a bit and say it's tough to say exactly what uh, the future holds for Logan Brown. I would not be surprised either way if, if the Sens say, you know what, we've, we've had our chance, we've got enough guys that can play that role, or if they say, you know what, maybe through the offseason, if, uh, if he can get healthy, maybe we give him another shot. Tough call to make at this point. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Footy. It's so tough with Logan Brown. Like, if they wanted to give him another shot, wh- why not? Low risk, high reward. But also, if they said, you know what, 
we've seen enough. I wouldn't blame him either. So that a cloudy future for Logan Brown, but someone's future who is not cloudy and it looks like he's going to be an absolute stud. You mentioned him, Igor Sokolov, Sharkolov, as we like to call him. He's a shark in the water and he led the team <laughs> with goals and points all in his rookie season. You, you talked a little bit about his game, but I think my question is, if he continues on this pace and uh, the way he's playing, is this a guy you could see make the NHL roster at some point next season? I think he might get a look or two. I, I think it, it might be similar to uh, to the Batherson progression um, or even the Formanton progression. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of excelling at the American Hockey League level before you get your shot. You know, if, unless you're, you know, Jimmy Stutzla uh, and, and you're, you know, you're that, that level prospect. Um, so obviously he saw some success in a shortened season. I think, again, there needs to be uh, a little bit of, of monitoring how he does over the course of a, of a longer season, an extended season. But yeah, I would not be surprised to see him get a call here or there and just see how he looks. But I would like to see him make more, uh, you know, more impact at the American League level, have, have two seasons where you are among the elite and then there's no question that you go up next year. Uh, you know, I, I think, and I've said this a lot, that there's something to be said for being the best at, at a specific level before making the jump to the next level. And uh, he still has a little bit to prove, I think, after uh, you know, a successful rookie season. Don't take anything away. Um, he made extremely big strides in that short time. Um, but I think maybe a little bit more seasoning uh, is in line for him. Can you reassure the fans that, because we know his shot is his separating quality for sure, but can you reassure fans this isn't another Gabriel Gagne, that there's much more to his game <laughs> than just his shot? Yeah, I, I think uh, Sokolov's not afraid to use his size when he needs to. Uh, that said, they had him playing uh, near the end of the season on a line with Lebate, who we talked about earlier, and uh, he does, like most goal scorers do, tend to benefit from having somebody else on his line to open up space and make room for him. Um, you know, he's not going to go pull it out of the corner necessarily and, and drive to the net, but um, defensively he can use his body. Uh, he's you know, got to get a little bit faster, uh, you know, east-west, if you will, his, uh, his change of direction, that sort of thing. I don't think he's – I mean, just his success alone, I think, is going to show that uh, he perhaps has a higher uh, ceiling than, than Gagne did here in Belleville. Bigger, a little bit bigger guy, and I think just the work ethic is uh, – Second to none for him. We talked to him near the end of the season. Uh, he hasn't seen his family in like two years um, because he's been putting in the grind in major junior. Uh, last time he saw them was at the World Juniors. So he's, uh, he's a guy who has sacrificed a lot to get to this point and certainly making the best of it. So I think work ethic uh, alone uh, makes him stand apart from a guy like Gabriel Gagne. Yeah, both second-round picks. So it was just a tongue-in-cheek comparison. But yeah, we love what Igor brings. And we just know that... <laughs> Off-season training is not going to be an issue. We know he's going to be coming into camp well-prepared and ready to compete. A guy whose work ethic allowed him to even be drafted at all, finally, was Cole Reinhardt. And this guy comes in and produces. I mean, he comes up with a huge highlight reel overtime goal in one of the final games of the season. But did you were you surprised how this guy just jumped into pro hockey and was able to, let's not say excel, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but he didn't look out of place. No, I think a lot of uh, the BCN's young guys were kind of in that position. They didn't look out of place, which was a little bit surprising. Um, it it might have helped to see 
how many other young guys were there. You know, everybody's kind of learning the same things together. And um, so that immediately puts everybody on, on the same page. And I, I think, you know, just like that group as a whole, as the season went on, uh, Reinhardt got more comfortable. Um, you start to realize, you know, uh, hey, I belong here. Uh, I'm seeing some success. Um, you know, I, I like the guys I'm playing with. The team is getting better. And uh, I think that, you know, helped a lot as far as his development went this season. Um, another thing, and, and, you know, I don't want to take away from, from the success of these young guys, but Troy has said it too, that the, this was not a typical American Hockey League season because a lot of teams took the same approach where they weren't signing veterans. And uh, there were just, you know, a few minor differences in the level of play, if you will. Not to say it's, you know, wasn't still higher than junior and that they were better off being there. But uh, I think that kind of helped these kids a little bit just to, uh, you know, instead of being in fifth gear, the whole league was maybe in fourth throughout the course of the season and, and that helped. But um, yeah, Reinhardt had a, had a good year, uh, discipline, you know, stayed out of the box, played almost every game. So uh, if we look at longevity and, and being able to stay healthy, that's, that's a key for him. And uh, yeah, I mean, 12 points, that's a third line guy, right? He's, he's going to be uh, a gritty guy who's uh, going to get under your skin a little bit, score, like you said, that OT winner, you know, every once in a while when you need him. And uh, I think he had a nice first season easing into the American Hockey League. Yeah, great look for the farm boy, Cole Reinhardt, and his former teammate. Well, they were teammates again. Uh, they were teammates in Brandon. But Ridley Gregg, you talked about it being a weird season. Uh, that was a reason why he was able to play in Belleville this season. Now, what were your thoughts on Ridley Gregg? And I, I want to also get your opinion on what Troy Mann's thoughts were on Ridley Gregg, because he had a lot of really good things to say. Only played seven games with the Belleville Senators, but it seemed like he really made an impact when he was there, eh? Yeah, he was he was like the prime example in that conversation of should these junior guys be playing in the American League? Um, you know, it was tough for me to evaluate players, honestly, having to watch online all the time. You can't watch guys off the puck. You can't zero in on who's doing what necessarily. Um, and if you guys have ever watched the AHL TV stream, it can be a little bit wonky sometimes. You guys know from, from your production You're talking side to here, camera CAA too. Radio, you're yeah, I was going to say, the, right here. <laughs> the reason he can't scout as well, Footy, is because you don't have a great cameraman, and then you don't have me doing the replays for you. That's why. That's right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely was more difficult without you guys on the tech side, for sure. There's the, um, there's the clip for social. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'm just here to pump tires, boys. It's the offseason, so. But yeah, I mean, um, I mean, Ridley was obviously he's obviously elite, right? And uh, Troy, you want to know what Troy's thoughts were? Troy thought he never should have gone back to the dub from day one. Uh, he was uh, one of those guys that, like I said, kind of spurred that conversation. And uh, he had three points in seven games. If you uh, you know project onto what he would have done a full season here, uh, he could have been right up there with Sokolov. In, in terms of leading the league in, in rookie scoring and rookie points. Uh, he is quick. He is smart. Uh, he can shoot. And um, he's a little bit gritty, too. Uh, and I, I think a lot of the guys they got out of the dub this year, uh, you know, Kastelik uh, as well, they, they've got a little bit of edge to them. And uh, I like that. In, uh, you know, in even a, like Josh Norris is kind of the same way. Uh, he'll go to the net when he has to, even though he's kind of an outside shooter. 
So, um, yeah, I would have loved to see more than seven games from, from Ridley Gregg for sure. And the future is extremely bright for him coming back here uh, next season. I'm still waiting for the all-dub line. Castellick between Gregg and Parker Kelly, who's quickly climbing up the fan favorite charts. An undrafted signee, and he got a taste of the NHL. The healthy scratch to vet to make sure to get him into a game at the end of the year. Do you see him as being a potential opening night guy for Ottawa next season just based on the different elements he brings? Or is he going to come in and maybe finally get into a top six role in Belleville where he was kind of in and out? He's the kind of guy you can kind of plug and play all over the place. Well, and he, he knows that, right? Um, his game doesn't change between the American League and, and the NHL. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to forecast all the way to opening night. I'm going to let the front office do their yeah. thing. Well, just hearing uh, DJ Smith talk about him, it seems like he's got a good shot. He loved him. Yeah, well, and again, uh, uh, Jonathan Petrie award winner, right? Twice yep. in, in rookie camp. He's uh, one of the hardest working guys all the time, and, and that makes a big difference. Um, he's, he's made some nice progression in his first couple seasons in the AHL and, you know, is still young guy, but a leader on this team this year, uh, for sure. 18 points in, in 33 games. Hey footy. Remember the, when he came up though, the start two years ago, like he was out of place. Like it felt like maybe he should have been in Brampton, but he really figured it out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I'm sure some of that credit goes to Troy and his staff for uh, you know helping him to key in on on where his strengths are and what he's good at. And uh, you want to talk about gritty? He's one of the grittiest on that team and leads by example in that sense. So he certainly has a shot. He's got it. You know, based on his history uh, and work ethic within the organization, if there's a hole there uh, that needs to be filled, uh, I would I could see him getting a look for sure. Yeah, we're big Parker Kelly fans. Uh, the shift disturber, as we like to call him. I think that's pretty accurate. He's always getting something, uh, getting roughed up somewhere in his shifts. So I, I want to ask you about uh, another, I mean, so many rookies playing in Belleville this season, but someone coming over from Finland, Lassie Thompson. A lot of people thought that uh, his game would com be complemented by the North American style game with bigger ice. And I think he struggled to adjust at the early part of the season, but it seemed like he figured it out. And Troy Mann had a little more trust in him as the season went on. What were some of the biggest differences you noticed from Lassie at the start of the season to the end of it? And again, uh, you know, when you look at evaluating players, defensemen are probably the toughest to do via video because, you know, they're away from the puck most of the time. Um, but I think, you know, and it, it sounds like I'm just rolling back to the same thing all the time, but confidence is, is the big thing. And, and learning the differences between uh, whether it's the junior game or the North American game is, is a huge thing. And they kind of ease Lassie in a little bit, and I'm expecting him to play a full season in Belleville next season as well. Uh, I don't think he's, he's quite ready to make that jump. Um, but some of the little things, like uh, any of the European guys we've talked to this year have said the decision-making has to be faster, right, with the smaller ice. So uh, that's a bit of an adjustment that needs to be make, made. And um, for a guy who has some offensive upside, uh, Troy was talking through the season about how they have to get him away from wanting to uh, launch a clapper from the blue line all the time because you don't always have that amount of time and space like you would in Europe. Uh, move to the wrist shot, move to the snapshot, just get pucks low and into the net. So on the, the offensive side, I think that was the big uh, challenge for him. And then on the defensive side, I think it's just those angles, right? And your gap control and keeping guys close, um, not letting them, them find that extra space that is uh, maybe not as readily available 
uh, as it is in Europe, it's uh, it's just a learning curve. And and I think he's on it. I think he's uh, you know making the steps that the coaching staff hoped that he would. But there is, as there is with a, you know most young defensemen, still a long way to go for him. I would say. Yeah, we're expecting at least another one full season with JBD coming in. He might be playing in Belleville, and they could kind of be a one A one B. And I think that could be pretty interesting as well. Yeah, guy like JBD to get that confidence in the American League would be huge. There's so many eyes on him, right? The pressure is like immense coming from uh, from the fans in Ottawa right now. I would like to see him get a little bit of time here, kind of like Wolanin did, you know, before they decided to, to move on from him. Um, he came and played in the AHL, and he was unbelievable. I mean, you guys saw him in person yeah. enough times to – to know like he was a, a top tier American hockey league defenseman. And obviously he's going to do fine in the NHL and a different organization as well. So um, yeah, put him here, even if it's for a half a season, if they feel like he's a little bit further ahead, um, gain that confidence and, and then use that to your advantage when you get the call. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they shape up this roster uh, come training camp. Cause there's, there's going to be a lot of moving parts and someone that uh, I wanted to ask you about and it, the crease is going to be really interesting. That's something I oh, think we're boy. all very interested to see how that's going to work out next season for Belleville. But a guy that came in the great Dane mad Sogard came in and was as hot as ever seven and O start his AHL career. Do you think that, I mean, that's a small sample size. We've got to say, but he, he looked really good to Ross and I. What were your feelings on him? And do you think that's something he can continue in next season? Hopefully it is uh, because the, I mean, that's one area where even though the B sense have had good goaltenders come through, I don't think they've had that consistency in net that uh, you need to be successful. Um, you know, not to take away from Gus or, or Hoggy and, and the jobs that they did over the wow. last couple seasons. Forgetting Pilsy's favorite, Danny Taylor who is tearing it up at the Worlds right now. <laughs> For Kazakhstan, right? Yeah. Belarus, I think. Belarus, oh, be- yeah. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy, Danny Taylor. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, you name it. Cycle through the list of goalies that the B-Sens have had in four years. It's crazy, yeah, right? a ton of them. Um, and, and, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in Ottawa. We don't know what's going to happen with the expansion draft um, for Seattle. So, uh I, I mean, I, Sogard doesn't seem to me like the type that is overconfident, like 7-0, and like you said this year. Uh, he doesn't s- seem to me like the type of guy that's going to come back next season and assume that's the type of success he's going to have. Uh, he knows that there's work to be done. And, uh, I mean, if they can get a guy who can, uh, you know, put up a 2-4-0 consistently, like, and maybe lower than that, that would be huge uh, for this young team. Him coming in probably was a big turning point, really. You could see that guys were a little bit more comfortable in front of him. Uh, I asked Troy about that a few times as well. Uh, you know, what changed with his addition? And, and he kind of just said, you know, like, you can't play a perfect game. Uh, you know that there's going to be opportunities for the other team the other way. So to have a guy uh, who is as consistent and as calm and cool and collected back there as Mad Sogard is, uh, it does make a huge difference. So um, it was a, a nice uh, addition. Again, maybe a little bit later in the season than, than perhaps we would have liked it if you stretch it out and give him more than seven games. Who knows? But uh, in the small sample size, uh, as Troy said, the sky's the limit for him. We've asked you a lot of questions that are based on what you've seen on video, but now I've got one. I know you're in the rink to see a lot of Philip Gustafson's games, a lot of Joey Decord. Who would you protect going into the expansion draft? 
Now, see, I got asked this question uh, on TSN 1200 a few weeks ago, and uh, I got roasted a little bit for it because I said I would protect Joey. And, and what I really said, what the whole quote was that uh, either way, I think you're, you're okay in, in either of their hands. I just felt like Decord had been more consistent in, uh, you know, from his debut uh, in the American Hockey League and, and the brief amount of results that he had had uh, in, in Ottawa before he got hurt. That said, this year in the AHL, Gus was the better goaltender, um, you know, plain and simple. So uh, it's a tough call. And uh, whoever, whoever is left here, I think, will uh, you know, still be one of the guys of the future for, for the Senators if they don't ship them off and, and use them in a trade because there are so many. There's too many goalies here. Yeah, you can only play one at a time. I've heard that, yeah. Um, <laughs> at least we've never seen a team try to dress two to start a game. But, hey, were you as yeah, surprised uh, as we were that Philip Gustafson was that good in the NHL? Because he wasn't that great in the American Hockey League over the last two and a half years. It, there, the lack of consistency it was certainly an issue, um, but let's be honest, the defense is better in the NHL. Less I've heard a lot of – yeah, exactly. I've heard a lot of goaltenders say uh, that it is, in a sense, and, and even position players say that it's almost easier to play in the NHL than it is in the AHL or the ECHL because the, uh, you know, the attention to detail is there. Everybody is almost always in the right spot at the right time. Um, for goaltenders, there's less rebounds, uh, less pinballing in front of the net, and I think that suits Gus's game perhaps a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't think I was surprised. I mean, he's a highly touted prospect. He was brought in for a reason uh, when they made that trade to get him. So, um, you know, I, I like to have belief in guys until they show me that they're, they're not quite there. And it was nice to see him have that kind of success after battling with some confidence issues last year at times as well. Yeah, there's going to be so much intrigue around the goaltending position. Fuddy, we got one final one for you, and it's a guy I'm intrigued by because he made his AHL debut in 2016, and that was in a different organization. But now Vitaly Abramov is through five years of partial AHL seasons, and there's been some injuries along the way. But last year, he was unreal with the 41 points in 51 games and just such a nice complimentary player. We know his hands are sick, especially on shootouts. Like He's a great offensive player but what's left for him to get to the next level and stay there consistently and and also just quickly for you i heard that there's rumors he might go to russia if things don't look good for him do you do you buy into that at all i i've heard that as well and uh, you know he's the type of player that could probably excel uh in the khl mm-hmm. um i think for him it's going to come down to depth chart you know who else can play that role and uh, unfortunately for abe who i've been a big fan of since since he came over I don't, I don't know if there's room for him. Like there's room for him in the AHL if, if he wants to be there. But even then, I mean, with him out of the lineup, look at the guys who were able to fill that spot at the same time. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go home, uh, especially after this kind of strange season. And um, he might be one of those guys that just fall, you know, good player falls victim to too much depth in the organization. Yeah, and a guy who kind of came up and took that spot or you think might be able to is Angus Crookshank as well. So, hey, a lot of depth. It could be a good problem to have. Like some people were really upset when Philip Schlappick decided to take his career back to Europe, but it didn't really affect how things ended up shaking out. But I, I'm hoping for the best for Vitaly because that guy is a fun, fun player to watch. 
Yeah, he is. He's he's fantastic, and it would be nice to him slot in somewhere. And, you know, he's one of those kind of veteran, when we talk about trying to fill veteran holes, like he's the type of guy that can give you the, the offense and the production that you need, but is he the type of guy in the locker room that can play the role that an AHL veteran needs to play in terms of, uh, you know, again, kind of recognizing where you're at in your career and being able to impart some wisdom down on the younger guys and, and help them adjust and, and reach their potential. I'm not sure. I think he's still kind of reaching himself. And uh, let's be honest, there might be more money for him to be made uh, over in Russia than playing in the AHL and, and not getting that good, uh, solid look uh, at the NHL level. Yeah, so lots of uh, questions. Not as many answers here as we're still in the early part of the offseason, but the insight was appreciated as always. And when it comes to Abramov, he's done his contract right now, so he is free to sign in the KHL if that's where he wants to take his career. Hey, you're signing something coming up, footy. So not only an exciting season from the team perspective, but (laughs) I know you got a little personal commitment coming up. So congratulations on that. And we wish you the best in the off season. And I know we'll be in touch again down the road. We appreciate you being a real friend of the show and wish you all the best. Absolutely guys. Love what you're doing. Uh, You know, I love the perspective that you guys take. Uh, you, know, you try to keep it positive where you can, uh, but uh, analytical and, and nitpick where you have to. And uh, it's always a good time hopping on with you guys. And uh, hopefully next year we'll see you at the CAA Arena. Stick taps to Footy for joining us. True friend of the show. Make sure you follow him on Twitter as well, at Footy on the Air. And good thing you're following Brandon Piller for his Pillsy's parlay of the day because it hit again last night. And if you weren't riding with him, you still can. It's betonline.ag, the number one sports book here at the Locked On Podcast Network, the one place that has you covered, the only place we trust for our online sports wagering. It's betonline.ag. Here's how you go about getting one of the best welcome bonuses in the industry. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. And because you're a listener of Locked On Senators, you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus. Pilsy, we're going to give you a break for Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day after a huge win. You had Leafs and you had Hurricanes. It got dicey, especially with that goal interference call in the third period. And they made it in time for overtime and then some captain shift from Jordan Stahl uh, putting it away super early in the extra frame. Our, our friend Jared Ellis over at Locked On Hurricanes had an unreal Locked On now. So jealous that fans are back in the building there. I cannot wait to be back at the CTC. You know when I'm at the CTC, I'm going to be betting with Bet Online because their mobile service is unreal. You can just go on your Safari on your phone, hit up betonline.ag, and it's all right there for you. Don't think for a second we're not going to give you all the series prices coming up when round two gets underway still have some business to take care of though in round one so your daily home for sports wagering it's betonline.ag don't sit on the sidelines get in on the action and don't forget the promo code when you do locked on when that when you put in that you put in 200 you get 100 free play dollars free we can go bango bongo just like that so use promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pilsy, great to have some Sens news to discuss on the show, but we also have to get into some of these playoff series last night. I just mentioned it briefly in the ad, but that Carolina Nashville series and the crowd itself in Carolina 
just takes the atmosphere to a whole other level. So I'm not sure if Leafs Habs is just frankly boring as hell, or if it's just the difference that we're seeing where some fans have sold out arenas and some are all watching from home. Yeah, I, I th- found myself thinking the same thing. Like the Leafs Habs series just it didn't have that oomph to it, these games. There's there's no spark to it. Whereas when you get the games that are played with playoff crowds, you can feel that energy. Like the like the momentum swing comes into your living room when you know a team is feeling it and you know the other team is down. So that that's tough. And hopefully, well, I mean, Montreal might get uh, fans in the building. So hopefully we see that. But uh, the, the playoff games with fans are just so much more exciting. Now, some Leaf fans might tell you, oh, that when that Tavares hit happened, like it just changes the whole complexion of the series. And I'm not minimizing his injury. I think it's as severe as possible, and we do wish him all the best. But we witnessed it in a Sentab series when Griba took out Eller five minutes into game one, and that was one of the most electric series front to back in NHL history, I'll go so far as to say. Like, not only did you have a 6-1 blowout with three goals in like 10 seconds and a line brawl to boot and a 20-year-old kid getting a hat trick against the team he grew up cheering for in his hometown as well. And then you have the game four down 2 nothing and coming back to win in overtime and Peter Budai going in for overtime. Like that series just had it all. But when you look at the way the series started, yeah, you knew it was going to take a little bit of time to get back on track, but at this point, we're just seeing how bad the Habs are. And we knew it during the regular season. Like, this is an awful hockey team. They're fragile, right? They're half frauds, half fragile. And with this Leafs team, I'm just so mad because the Ottawa Senators would have given them a better run for their money than the Montreal Canadiens. No question about that. Yeah, I, I'd be willing to say that for sure. And like maybe the hot, like the tight checking hockey parts of it wouldn't have been uh, as noticeable, but the back and forth entertainment would have been so much better. And this is a sense team that is coming into the would have been coming into the playoffs absolutely on fire. Their and last they, two wins of the season were against Montreal and Toronto. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Especially that OT winner. So yeah, it's it's too bad the Sens didn't have more runway to work with to try to be in that position. But uh, it's it's nice to watch the Leafs it like if any series was going to be boring it's nice to say it was Leafs and Habs so that at least you're not uh it's not must watch television every night for Sens fans because I only watched about half that game and then I said yeah this is this is kind of kind of boring I see the way this game is going so I'm done with this one so kind of funny because had the Leafs been in the Atlantic division they would have played either Tampa or Boston right both those teams are likely going to move on before the Leafs. And I know they started a little bit earlier. You could say it's five games all around, but I, I just think this might actually be a good year for the Leafs to make a run. So long as Cinderella's chariot turns back into a pumpkin at midnight, because then you have that as like, a, oh, it only took a condensed season and a fake division for you guys to get out of the first round. And then as long as they go back and, and lose an embarrassing fashion to Boston or Tampa Bay next year this could be hilarious as a long-term heel for the Leafs because let's be honest they're going to win this series and I don't think it's going to get be last much longer either but I don't I don't have them uh in pen beating Winnipeg Ross like no round two that's gonna be tough for this I'm waiting I'm waiting for my jerseys to get in obviously I, I think I mentioned on the show before my girlfriend's a, a Winnipeg native so I decided to hop on the bandwagon but Pillsy I'll tell you this 
I still have a hint of sense connection in there. I got a throwback Keith Kachuk Winnipeg Jets jersey. So waiting for that one in the mail. Hopefully it's here for round two. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Big Walt, uh, you get the Kachuk jersey. So that way you, you don't feel too slimy about it. You still get a little Ottawa uh, connection there. Yeah, and outside of, again, this fake division, then I got a West team now and, and an East team that, uh, that I'll represent. But since the Sens did not sneak their way into the postseason, we're going to have to live with our Sens abroad. And we got to give a shout out to a Sens abroad who we didn't even give much credit to. But Alex Galchenyuk had a three-point night. Jason Spezza with a pair of of points as well. And they combined on a goal. I thought that was kind of funny. I think that uh, that's one of the funniest Sens Abroad moments ever. Like Alex Galchenyuk, what, what did he play? Eight games with the Sens or something Seven, like that? Seven, I think. Seven yeah, with, with one that, goal. It was a rocket, though. It was a beauty, yeah. And then Jason Spezza, like a legendary Sens player, just connecting on a goal was very strange. Only 687 games for Spezza. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But with with Galchenyuk, uh, shout out, yeah, great game for him. I will still, every time I watch that first goal, my brain cannot stop from yelling, that's offside. I know the new rule with the foot thing, but I watched, I must have watched that 20 times and was like, offside every single time I was getting so upset but that is that is the new rule so I guess that's that's legal but it seems very strange yeah strange indeed and uh uh, good for Galchenyuk right didn't really get much of an opportunity here the Leafs are just gung-ho on making it work for him in the top six like he played okay but they're just leaving him there they don't really have much option they like the way their bottom six is going and hey it came through last night and against his former team as well. So you got to like the revenge aspect of uh, Galchenyuk lighting up the Montreal Canadiens. And it's a great goalie matchup there too. I mean, Jack Campbell, Carey Price going toe-to-toe as well. Um, Outside of that series, uh, we mentioned briefly Carolina coming through in overtime. um, UC Saros did all he could, but still not enough. Like this, this Hurricanes team, top to bottom, is a complete wagon. And I mean, they could realistically make a run here at the Cup. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, they've got the roster for it. And I think it had been like two or three years of everyone being like, ooh, look out for the Hurricanes, like dark horse pick, like they're they're barely going to make the playoffs, but they have a good roster, blah, blah, blah. Well, now that dark horse pick has grown into a legit contender. Like those players that were just kind of new and exciting are now legit NHLers. And talk about Marty Nakash, like that's that's an incredible game for him we that, saw him play in belleville when he's with charlotte and i told you i was like man i saw yeah, this guy at the world juniors like he is a, i took a photo of him when we were watching warm-up i was like this kid is going to be a stud at the nhl level and sure shit he was that wraparound goal and i thank god i was getting flashbacks of andy being in goal for wraparounds but uh that was a great move to to beat saros yeah, yeah, and uh, good job checking the game notes when you know you got a 5-9 goalie. He can't exactly spread across the crease that easily, so that's a great goal there. And good on the Hurricanes finally turning the tables on the Predators who had been winning games in overtime, so that was a massive, massive win for the Hurricanes, and yeah, part of Pilsy's parlay of the day, so uh, keep waiting for that, guys. I'm going to tweet out Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day later in the day. I might wait. I might do myself a favor this time, Ross, and wait until I get to see the starting goaltenders. That's a luxury usually i'm not afforded so wait for that and i'll tweet out my picks three game sixes tonight all facing elimination of course as every game six does and the two most popular sends abroad have a chance to move on to the second round pajot and the islanders are going for the series win over the penguins at 6 30 the lightning 
at at eight o'clock. So they've staggered these nicely again. They're hosting the Panthers. Spencer Knight, can he do it again after a 36 save performance in game five to extend the series? And Mark Stone, the beloved departed Mark Stone at nine o'clock with a chance. They absolutely dominated game five against Minnesota. But hey, you can you can outshot a team double, but as long as you don't beat them on the scoreboard, the series will continue. Just for completeness sake, the Maple Leafs with a 4-0 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. And get this, it's the first time the Leafs have had a two-game series lead since 2002 against the New York Islanders. So round one of 2002 was the last time the Leafs had a two-game lead in a playoff series. The Hurricanes 3-2 in overtime. But Pilsy, it's going to be a great night of hockey. Which of the three teams who are facing elimination do you think has the best chance to extend their series? Well, just quickly uh, got a jab at the Leafs. I mean, we all know they're great at protecting leads. So a two having two game series lead, that's right where the Habs <laughs> want them. Let's yep. be honest. So uh, going to tonight's games, there's some interesting matchups. I really think that Spencer Knight and the Florida Panthers could survive here. Like he just played so good. I think the team really rallies behind him. I I don't think anyone would ever say it, but I think they're just sick of Brodsky. Like him making all that money. He can't make a save. Like they're just done with him. And now they have this new kid here who looks like an absolute stud. And I mean, he could take the torch from Bobrovsky in year one. So I think they're really rallying behind this kid and the way he played and shut the door up against the Tampa Bay Lightning the other game. He had a slow start, but then locked in and stayed strong. I think this could go to game seven. Okay, well, you heard it there first. I'm going to imagine this is a part of Pillsy's Parlay. So follow him on Twitter at BrandonPillar1. And he'll tweet that out later. You can also follow us at Send Central or LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. We appreciate everyone continuing to listen into the offseason. Again, it was nice to be able to talk some Sens hockey, and that'll just ramp up more and more as we go on. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcast. The Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Play, or on Apple Podcasts as well. Pilsy, we forgot to do our tankathon and with the draft lottery exactly one week away. We're going to double it up today to make up for lost ground. So far, we've each done two spins. Three out of four have landed on 10th, where Ottawa has the best odds of drafting. And one time, they moved down to 11th. So shame on you, Pilsy, for spinning that one into existence. All right, you go first. Spin us up in the Tankathon. And if you want to play along, you can go to tankathon.com slash NHL and hit the lottery there. Pilsy, who do you have? All right, here we go. And I just want to mention, last time I had two spins where Arizona uh, draft picks have been forfeited, and both times they went first or second. And Arizona has less odds than the Sens. So the, the likelihood is there. Like, it's possible. So here we go. Let's see if it happens. Not this time, Ross. Buffalo and Anaheim picking one and two, and Ottawa stays in 10th. Ottawa staying in 10th for you, and let's get your two spins, and then I'll do my two spins. All right, here we go. Not a good one here. Chicago moving all the way up to getting pick number one, and Ottawa will pick 11th in this one. Okay, 11th. That's not great. So you got 10th and 11th. I'm going to give mine a spin here, and 10th for my first one. So we got two tens and an 11. One more time. I got New Jersey winning the lottery again and Columbus moving to second. Ottawa stays in 10th. Guys, you're starting to see a trend here and I think it's going to continue. I believe the Senators will draft 10th. How's that for a hot take, Pilsy? 
That's a good hot take. It might happen. So right now we have six spins that have 10th and two at 11. And that's all she wrote for today. Thank you very much for listening to Locked On Senators. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Send Central. Have a great day, everyone. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll have our Send Central citizen as well as hopefully some more Sens news. We'll definitely, I'm going to call it right now, we'll definitely have one team advancing out of the three potential games tonight. We'll talk about that tomorrow. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team's